everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Awesome. Happy Father's Day to you dads. You guys are absolutely incredible. Uh, you're not as great as moms, but you know, we'll, we're, we're glad you're here. Moms are the, moms are the best. Moms are the best. So um, we're, t- today is just um, about a, a story of a bad dad. Uh, but even though there was a, it was, he was a bad dad, uh, he, it was, there was some redemption that happened there, which is, aren't you glad to know that we have a God who is a perfect father? He, he's, not, there, he's not just a good father, though he is that. He is a perfect uh, father, and that's the way that, that God identifies himself in that way. He says, I'm a perfect, perfect father. And as, as good as you think you are as, as a dad, God said, man, I'm perfect. And as good as you think you get it right, and as well as you think you get it right, God says, think about how much I love you. Think about how much I care for you. Think about how much I want to do for you. Um, and that's the way that God wants us to view him as our, as our perfect heavenly father. But today is a story. Um, we'll sort of set it up and then we'll kind of lead to where, uh, where, where it goes from there as far as um, what happened there from, as a result. Um, and so today uh, is um, just a sort of a way of introduction is a guy by the name of Korah. Uh, Korah was the cousin of Moses, a uh, relative of Moses and, and Aaron. And one day, I don't know, it probably didn't happen in one day, it usually happens over time. Korah um, had this sort of this um, rebellion spirit that rose up within him. Um, and so he, he felt like, and in, in, I don't know if, if that's you, true of you or not, but usually it is. Uh, we have, all of us have some sort of streak uh, in us of, of rebellion, you know, that we want to rebel against against, you know, the establishment, you know, somebody tells us what to do and there's something inside of us that wants to push back. Maybe that's not anybody in this room. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe it's just me. Uh, but I, I, I know this, so, you know, over the last couple years, you know, I've, I've seen, witnessed, been a part of myself, a lot of pushback, a lot of rebellion. I'm not going to, you're not going to force me to wear that mask too close to home. Okay, okay. All right, I'll move on. I'll move on. So all of us have that sort of streak in us. And so Korah had that. He, he, he was, and he had a great responsibility. He was uh, high up in, in, in leadership and authority. He had incredible influence uh, amongst the people of God. But he, he desired and he longed for more. He wanted, wanted more. He was, he was discontent. And oftentimes when we feel discontent, we get rebellious. And, and the core of rebellion is selfishness. We just get selfish. Things become about us. And so Korah shows up to, to Moses's door one day and says, Moses, I, I think that you're abusing your authority. You and Aaron, you and Aaron are, you know, acting like you guys are, you know, doing all, making all the decisions, making all the moves, and you're not involving any of us in that. And so at that time, Korah recruited what, what the Bible calls 250 men of renown. In other words, not just within their own tribe, but within 
within all the other tribes and all the other nations around. So Korah goes around and recruits 250 men of renown, uh, men that were famous, men that were considered strong leaders, and they begin to question Moses and his leadership. And so Moses, you know, basically says this to Korah. Here's where we're going to pick it up in, in number 16. Then Moses said to Korah, hear now you sons of Levi. So he was a part of the tribe of Levi, uh, which were that, that particular tribe were made up of priests and those who worked within the tabernacle. He, then look what he says next. Is it too small an honor for, for you that the God of Israel has singled you out from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to perform the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them? Like, so Moses is going, like, why are you discontent, Korah? Why are you trying to, you know, rebel against what God has established? In other words, Korah, why are you, I, Moses is saying, God put me in charge here. I didn't put myself in charge here. God put me in charge here. God gave me this authority. And so ultimately, Korah, you're not just opposing me and my authority. It's not about that. You're opposing, opposing the authority that God has established. And as a dad, you know, and if you're a dad, you know, that your kids do this all the time. Your kids challenge your authority. I don't know, maybe that's just my kids, right? Uh, but they're pastor's kids, so that's, what they, that's just how that works. But oftentimes we want to challenge the authority. And that's what Korah was doing. And, and Moses is going, like, why are, you, why are you thinking that this is a small thing? Why are you thinking that this is just a small thing? You get to do some a pretty incredible things. So, so then he goes on and says this, verse 10. And that he has brought you near, Korah. Like he's like, he's allowed you to have a place within the tabernacle. And that was ultimately Korah and, and others' jobs. They were, they were the ones that when the tabernacle moved, so before there was a temple established within the city, they, they were, there was a tabernacle, which was a tent essentially. And it had all the things that, that God wanted in there. And there it was the table of showbread. There was a, you know, a bronze basin. There was a, the Ark of the Covenant, which you, which you know. There was the, you know, the, 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 the menorah, all these things that were, are familiar to us. Korah was the one that was responsible to making sure that all of those items were moved in the way that God wanted to move them. And that sounds to me like a pretty big job, don't you think? And so, but, but for to Korah, it, was, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. He wanted more. And it seemed like a no big deal. And, he, and ultimately, he just wanted the authority and he wanted the position and he wanted the role of Moses. And, says, and then he says, but why are you seeking the priesthood as well? Why, are, why do you want the priesthood as well? You have all these amazing opportunities, all these amazing responsibilities, but yet you're also now seeking something more. Boy, this is the culture that we live in. We live in a rebellious, self-centered, me-first, discontented culture. Are, am I right? Amen. I mean, this is the reality of the culture that we live in. And, 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 you say amen, and I say amen, but this is also true about me. It's also true about you. We have thing, so, many, so many things in our, in our life. We think it's just not enough. It's not enough. It's too small. My, my bank account's too small. 
my car's too small. I only have three in my driveway. I need to add four. You know, like my house is too small. Anybody ever think those things, right? My bank account. No, you're lying. You're lying. You can't lie. Your bank account, your car, your home, your, you know, your, you know, it's just, it's too small. I need something big. We live in a, I need bigger culture, don't we? I need a big, a bigger culture. Like, I don't know. Remember when you were, I don't know if you remember this or not, when you were a kid, remember you went into 7-Eleven and they had the big gulp? Right? It had the big gulp. And you're like, this is huge. This is a lot of pop. And I don't know if I should be drinking this, but this is amazing, right? They had the big gulp. But now it's like it, all of a sudden, at some point or another, the big gulp wasn't enough. And so now they need the super big gulp. <laughs> Am I right? It's a, I, 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 the big gulp isn't enough. Like it's not, I need the, I need the super big gulp. And, and now I feel like every time I walk into 7-Eleven with my kids, they need the super, super, super big gulp, you know, and it, the cups just keep getting taller. And then we're walking out with a garbage can, you know, of Slurpee, right? Like this is the culture that we live in. We think it's always too small. We, we always think it's not enough. And just like Korah, we're seeking more. We're seeking more. And God's going, listen, I want you to be content. I want you to be content. So as the story unfolds, Moses, you know, handles it perfectly with Korah. And he says, well, all right, Korah, this is what we're going to do. If this is what God is up to, then we're going to see. We're going to put this to the test. And so we're going to meet tomorrow morning. And I want you to come. And I want you to come with your 250 men. And I want you to bring your, what, they, what he called their censers. Their, their, their censers. And their censers is what, what priests had. And they would put incense in the censers. The censers were like, they almost looked like a cup. And they had chains connected to it. And the priests would walk around. And then the, and, you know, the smoke, the incense smoke would come out of it. Um, and so they would walk around. And so he says, I want you to come with your 250 men of renown. And I want you to bring your censers. And we'll see what we'll see and Moses said we'll see if God is doing a new thing that maybe God is pushed you know putting me to the side sidelining me and he's wanting you to be in a position of authority and and for you to be a priest like Aaron so they show up the next day and Moses says okay we're going to wait and see what God does see what God if God does a new thing and as soon as that happened as soon as that happened, here, here's, here's what took place. Here's what happened to him. Number 16, verse 31. And as he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open. Next verse. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their households, all the people who belonged to Korah with all their possessions. Apparently, God was doing a new thing, and that new thing was opening up the earth so that Korah and all the people with him were swallowed up by the earth. Crazy New Old Testament stuff, right? Like, this is the stuff you're like, wow, like, th this happened? This happened. And so it goes on, it says this, so they all that belonged to went down alive to Shoal, which is the heart of the earth, center of the earth, and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. Then it says this, then all Israel who were around them fled at their outcry, for they said, the earth might swallow us. Now, 
I don't think you've ever said that before, right? I don't think anybody would imagine ever saying that before. The earth might swallow us. So then, that was Korah and some of the people and that were with him. But then, the 250 men, men of renown, because they were carrying their censers with incense in them, which was only something a priest was supposed to do, here's what happened to them. Fire also came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. Now, crazy, right? Moral of the story, you better not rebel against authority or the earth might swallow you. Let's pray. That was a dad joke. That was a dad joke. Okay. All right. But here's something interesting. Okay. I hope. I hope. I, I, it was interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to you. Later on, we, we discover something. In a few, few chapters later in Numbers, look what it says. The sons of Korah, however, did not die. The sons of Korah, however... They didn't die. Now, I don't know if Korah was at the time that he decided to, you know, stand against um, Moses and Aaron, if he was an empty nester. You know, maybe he was, you know, living alone with his wife and he decided, you know, he was restless and discontent in his life or where he was. He was tired of, you know, carrying the tabernacle stuff around, you know, time after time after time. And he wanted, you know, a more prestigious job. He, he had leadership influence. And, but his kids, his kids apparently said, you know what, dad, you, that's your thing, but that's not going to be our thing. Like, Dad, I, I think that this is a mistake. I, I think that what you're doing here is, is wrong. I think that clearly God established Moses as the authority figure, and, and you're bringing about opposition, and you're not really opposing Moses, Dad. You're opposing God. And Moses, and, and excuse me, Korah's son said, that's not going to be us. That's not going to be me. Now, for you in the room, for you in the you and I in the room, that's good news for us. That means like you may have in your life, or you may grow grew up with a bad dad. He meant well, he was well intended, but you knew, you knew deep and down inside that he was kind of rebellious, he was very selfish, he was always discontent, he was always seeking for more, nothing was ever good enough, I could never accomplish, what, you know, achieve or, you know, get to a, a place where he appreciated me, he cared about me, loved me for who I was, you know. And so all, all of us, may, you may have that, but the good news is, the good news is that doesn't have to be you. That doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be your story. That doesn't have to be what your children say about you, Dad. That doesn't have to be you. And the sons of Korah, that's what they, what we can see, that's what they did. You oppose the authority of God, but not us. You're standing against the men of God, but not us. You're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not in the will of God, but we will be in the will of God. When everybody else is being selfish, when everybody else is doing what they want to do when they want to do it, because ultimately what it boils down to, they just don't want to be told what to do. Hello, American. 
They don't want to be told what to do. So I'm going to fight against the establishment. I'm going to push back against authority. And I'm going to challenge that authority as much as I possibly can. But his sons, his sons did not do that. And as a result of that, God redeemed them. God saved them. And they did not die. Now, what was the results of that? What was the results of that? So we read now in um, the book of Psalm, some interesting Psalms that were written by some people. And here's how they were identified. For the music director, a mascal of, of, look what it says, the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah. And here's what one of them writes. A son of Korah. A son of Korah. The guy who stood and opposed Moses was swallowed up by the earth. And his son said, not us. We're going to honor God. Not us. We're going to do the right thing. Not us. It's not about my will. It's about thy will. And here's what they wrote. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, God. And then he goes on to say this, the sons of Korah, descendants of Korah. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. Then he says this in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So these descendants of Korah, these sons of Korah who said, you know what? We're not going to go against God. We're going to be for God. We're not going to do our will. We're going to be in God's will. They, these descendants of Korah, who made a choice, who made a decision to honor God even when their father did not. They decided to not be a bad dad. They decided to be a good dad. Why? Because they knew a perfect heavenly father. And their perfect heavenly father far exceeded their desire to honor their bad earthly dad. They said, I'm going to honor my father in heaven before I even honor my father on this earth. And the way they say it was this, like a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. Now, here's three important things that we need in this life. And here's what they were saying, the descendants of Korah, the sons of Korah. We need God more than air water, and food. Listen, dad, you need God more than you need air, water, and food. What did he say? The, the, the sons of Korah, what did he say? He said, he, as the deer pants, I need air. My, my, my soul thirst. We need water. My tear, I, 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 my tears are, I cry day and night like, like, I, like I'm eating them for, for lunch. It's like, that's my food. And what, what he's essentially saying to all of us is that God, my perfect father, 
is better and I need him more than I need air, than I need water, than I need food. You and I need God more than the things that we think are essential in this life. And they are. You need air. You need water. And you need food. But sir, you need God more. You need God more. You're like, I just, I just have those moments in my life where just things don't go the way that I thought they would go. I feel like I'm in a discontented place. I feel like I'm in a place where I just thought I would have more than I have and it just seems small. I feel like I'm in a place where I'm still trying to seek and find that source of satisfaction, that source of fulfillment, but I just can't find it. And I know, and, and, and you're, I see a lot of good, good dads in here. I, I know that you, that you know that you need to continue to, as the, as the sons of Korah said, to long after God, to as I, as I need air, as I need water, as I need food, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. But there's something inside of me that just aches, and there's something inside of me that still feels this longing. Well, look what this son of Korah said next. Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Anybody feel that? Come on, everybody. Anybody feel that tension? Like, you know what, what you need, and yet you're still in your soul. In the deepest parts of you, you still feel despair. And you still feel this restlessness within you. You just feel unsettling, which, by the way, that's this life. That's this life. You're never going to not feel fully, you know, restless or restful because we live in this, in this world that's, that's broken and fractured by sin. But I love the approach, and I think the approach is important for all of us. I love the approach. I love the self-talk of this. And I think this is so important for us. I love the self-talk. I love the fact that this son of Korah said, I need God more than anything else. I need God more than anyone else. And so I'm going to keep telling my soul. Do, do anybody do self-talk? You should. You should. You should. You should preach to yourself. I call it self-preach. Self-preach. You should just preach to yourself. You should just tell yourself, as a deer pants for water, my soul longs for you, God. You should tell yourself that. You should tell yourself. As my, my soul thirsts for you, God, God, I, I need you as like I need air, as I need water, as I need food. You should, you should tell yourself that. And you should say, why, why am I restless within me? Why am I restless within me? And instead of pursuing other things that we want to pursue in this life, that we think will give us rest, and we think that will end the despair, instead, look what he says. Look what he says. I'm going to wait for God. I'm going to wait for God. I'm not going to go and seek this substance I'm not going to go and seek more money. I'm not going to go and seek something bigger or better 
that, will th- that I think will make me this, this escape or this, this vacation or, what, or this better situation, this better job or different boss. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wait for God. Is there any um, hunters in the room? I don't know. This may not be popular at all. So <laughs> some of you are hunters. Okay. Uh, my family are hunters. I am not. It's not because I don't mind killing Bambi. It's just, I just never had time for it. <laughs> just being honest. If, you hate, I, if you're mad at me for people killing Bambi, take it up with them, okay? It's not me. It's my dad, my brothers. <laughs> take it up with them. But I, here's what, and I'm not a, I'm not a but I know, I know they've, they've described, it's like there's something about, you know, sitting in, uh, what's it called? Blinds, there it is. Blind. See, I'm not a hunter. There's something about sitting in a blind or a tree stand and then you see, you, you wait and 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 then you see that deer. Any hunters, and, you're, and you see, you wait and you wait and you wait, and then you see that deer, and you're like, your, your heart starts pounding, right? And you're waiting for that, that moment to take that shot. Sorry, animal lovers, that's how it works. But they would say, every hunter would say, Boy, when I see that deer and it's got those antlers, because you don't, don't kill, a, don't kill a, ba- a woman deer. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> a doe. You try to do this and think of things in the moment. You'll forget things like doe and blinds. Yeah. A woman deer. <laughs> I said a woman deer. A female deer. Is that a song? Do re, male deer. There it is. Yeah. I think I'm going to go to my notes. Stay and stay with my notes. But there's something to that, right? And they would say, it was worth the wait. It was worth that wait. And I just want to say, more importantly, the sons of Korah, who said, you know what? I'm not waiting for God. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I'm going to do my own thing. They said, not us, Dad. Not us, Dad. Dad, we want to be like deer who feel a thirst. And as much as I need air and as much as I need food, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait 
I'm going to wait for God. I'm going to wait because when God shows up, everything changes. When God shows up, things turn around. When God shows up, he's so powerful enough to cause the earth to open up like a mouth and for men to fall into the earth and then to close it back up again. And I don't know about you, but here's what I know, that our God is the same. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as much as God has done for his people over the years, God still wants to do for you. He has not changed. And so as much as you need food, and as much as you need water, and as much as you need air, you need a perfect heavenly father. Wait for him. Wait for him. For I will again praise him for the help of his presence. My God, my God. Why wait? Why? And what should I tell my soul? One thing, one thing, and I'll be done. That God is my stronghold and my strength. You tell your soul, you tell your soul, when you feel in despair, when you feel restless, when you feel rebellious, when you feel discontent, when you feel like things are too small and you, you desire to seek other things in this life, you say to your soul, and you say, I'm going to wait for God. Why? Because God, my perfect father, he's my stronghold and he's my strength. Amen. By the way, another son of Korah, a descendant, here's what he said. Here's what he said, Psalm 46. God, God is our refuge and strength, a very ready help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shakes, the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. We will wait for him. Even when my circumstances are bleak, even when my situation looks troubling, even when I feel like this is just despair and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, even when I have those moments in this life where I'm just restless and I want to pursue and seek other things that I think will make me happy, you need to tell yourself, you need to preach to yourself, and so do I, that God is my stronghold and he's my strength. Listen, Something or someone will have a stronghold on your life. Something or someone will have a stronghold on your life. And you've pursued and I've pursued so many different things in this life. 
better career, more influence, stronger, you know, stronger, uh, you know, economy, stability. We, all of us have, have pursued things in our life that we think will bring us what we need. And those things ultimately, a substance abuse, ultimately those things will then become the stronghold on us. They will take a hold on you that's hard to escape. It's hard to escape. And what those do, what these things in this world that we pursue do, they make us weaker. They make us weaker. But when Jesus is your stronghold, he will make you stronger. He will make you stronger. When my, especially, uh, specifically my girls were little, we would be in stores and they would be looking at things in aisles and stores and some stranger would make them nervous. A stranger would walk by, harmless person would, would walk by and they would, they would get nervous. And they would, they would come over to where I was and they would just sort of park themselves next to me as if I don't know what that guy's gonna do, but dad, I know that you can take him. <laughs> At least that's what I believe they were thinking. What you and I need, what you and I need more than air, more than water, more than food is to wait for God and for you to walk up to a perfect heavenly father that says, if anything is against you, if God is for you, he will prevail. If anything stands against you, you have a God, a heavenly father who is stronger. And you can legitimately say, my dad is perfect and my dad is stronger than your dad. And whatever comes my way, whether waters roar and foam, whether mountains quake and swell, I do not have to fear because I'm waiting for my God to show up in my life. And when he does, it changes everything. Sir, dad, you want to be a good dad? You submit yourself to the authority of an almighty God. And if you don't, you just might get swallowed up by the earth. Just kidding. He's gracious. He's loving. And he just wants you to find yourself next to him. Let's pray. Father, wow. We can call you that. We can approach your throne boldly and you receive us with grace and mercy and you tell us to call you Abba, Father. The relationship, the intimacy of that relationship is beyond anything that we can even fathom or understand or grasp. 
I pray that all of us in this room this morning are like, are like the sons of Korah, who instead of rebellion against authority, authority that you put in place, and that biblically is, is an endless list that we're to submit to, because ultimately it's submitting to you. Ultimately, it's putting ourselves under your authority, people that you've put in place. And God, I pray, Lord, that we're like the sons of Korah that say, you know, I'm gonna submit, I'm gonna surrender. It's not my will, it's your will, God. It's about you. It's not about me. It's all about you. And that something in this life wants to have a stronghold. Something in this life wants and will have a stronghold on our life. But God, help us to make you, you only, our stronghold. Because when that happens, you don't make us weak. You make us strong. You make us so strong that even when the earthquakes and the, we watch the seas go into the heart of the earth, we won't fear because you have us close. And so God, we're just gonna, we're just gonna wait. We're gonna wait for you. We're not gonna seek anything bigger or more or faster. We're gonna wait for you. Because when you show up, everything changes. Father, thank you for this day, this, these fathers that are here today. Good men. What makes them great is that when they submit to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.